when I used to say that at Maranatha Fellowship in St. Albans, West Virginia, they all hollered out, fire. Because there is fire in the book of Acts. 16th chapter of the book of Acts. We're glad to see so many new people. And we thank the Lord for all of you that made a special effort to be here today. I, I appreciate it so much. It, a, a lot of times it's funerals where you almost have a reunion of people. But I like to see it in church when you get to see people you haven't seen in a long time. 16th chapter of the book of Acts. The apostle Paul and Silas, his companion, they're praying about where their next meeting is. And it seems like, and it's hard for us to comprehend this day and age, but it seems like every time they thought they would go to a place in 16th chapter of the book of Acts, it says, and the Holy Spirit stopped them. Wow. And if you look at verse number 9, you'll see a plea for help. Verse number 9, 16th chapter, book of Acts, a plea for help. A vision appeared to Paul. It did not appear to Silas. It only appeared to Paul. And God still gives visions to people. You can say amen anytime you want to. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And it wasn't because he had eaten a pizza at midnight. It's the Holy Ghost speaking to him. And a man of Macedonia, that's a particular place, it's colony. This man stood in this vision and he pleaded. He begged. He begged with Paul saying these words, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, that's unusual. A lot of people, they don't even think the Holy Spirit can speak to you anymore. They think, you know, I thank God for the Word, but I also believe the Holy Spirit can speak to us concerning the Word and concerning what He wants us to do in everyday life. It's the truth. And this vision, the, the moment he wakes from this vision, the Bible says he prepared to go to Macedonia. He didn't delay. He got a boat. and Today, you jump in a car and zip here. You get on a plane. No, they get on a boat. And he travels, and finally they get to Philippi, which was a colony of Macedonia. And when he gets there, he goes down to the river, which was, do some of you ever smile? I'm, I'm just checking. I'm, I'm not your enemy. <laughs> But he goes down the river to pray, and he meets some ladies down there, and he begins to share the word to them about Jesus. And Lydia and her whole household, they get saved and baptized. Wow, isn't that amazing? I mean, he'd just been there a a, a day or two, and he already has some converts. Now, if you would, look at verse 16. He's still in Philippi. We see a pest that was possessed. Did you hear me? We see a pest. We're not talking about a mosquito. We're we're talking about a young lady. Watch this. In verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, sex trafficking was being gone on in that day. If you have not seen the movie, The Sound of Freedom, how many of you have seen The Sound of Freedom so far? Oh, my goodness. Get out and see it. It is a powerful movie about what's going on 
in our world and in America. Little children being used in all, and abused in all kinds of ways through trafficking. Here this girl's a slave, and she's a young girl. She's a young girl. Watch this. And it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit. That means with a demon. A lot of people believe that the only place demons are is way off somewhere in some far country. They're right here in America. Right here in America. And she was possessed with a spirit of divination. Now, I'm going to stop here. God gave me a revelation about something. The spirit of divination is literally, listen to me, the spirit of python. And pythons circle you and squeeze all the breath out of you. And guess what is missing? Are you all live in the back? I'm just checking your back. Good to see you. There's no praise. There's no worship. The breath of God. I'm telling you, we cannot allow the spirit of python to come in and take all the breath out of us. The python was a mystical serpent that guarded the temple of Delphi. And it was said that this python had the power of fortune-telling. Stay with me. Apollo, the son of Zeus, the Greek mythological character, killed the serpent and became the successor of the serpent's oracle powers, meaning that these people believed that if you had divination, if you were able to tell the fortune of people, what we, we live in Florida in the, in the wintertime, thank God. <laughs> fortune tellers are everywhere. Demonic. Demonic. But they're still around. Well, they believed in that day, watch this, the Gentiles at Philippi believed this young slave girl was channeling the spirit of Apollo. But what she was channeling was a demonic spirit. Are you with me? So here this, this young girl, this slave girl, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us who brought, look at this, brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And this girl followed Paul and us, and she cried out. Watch what she cried out. These men are the servants. The word servant means slaves. These men are slaves of the Most High God, stay with me, who proclaim to us King James uses the word the, but the word the in the Greek can be translated a. Stay with me. These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to us a way of salvation. Stay with me. Zeus was worshipped in those days as the Most High God. The God of all gods was considered Zeus. It, it would have been Zeus that these Gentiles would have thought this slave woman was referring to 
when she said the Most High God, she was not referring to Jesus. She was not referring to the God of Abraham and Isaac. She was referring to a mythological God named Zeus. And she, help me somebody. This demon was determined to stop the ministry of Paul and Silas in that area. The work of the devil and all of his imps is to destroy the work of God in any area. There are areas on this planet, on this earth, in this country, in this city that are, that are controlled by demonic spirits. See, the Bible tells us that we fight against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. See, there are principalities over certain areas. And we need to bind them in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 18. I love verse 18. Paul was greatly, verse 18, Paul was greatly annoyed. See, if it was, if it was this woman saying, Who, this is Paul and Silas, and they're servants of the Most High God, and they've come to proclaim to us the, the, the way, meaning Jesus. No, no, he wouldn't have been annoyed with that. Or he He's fed up with it. Have you ever been fed up? Just your halos. Have you ever been fed up? Come on. He's fed up with it. He had taken all he was going to take with this demon. So he made a divine declaration. This is what he said. In verse 18, he makes a divine declaration. He doesn't pray. He makes a declaration. He says, I command you. He's speaking directly to the demon. In the name. There's power in the name. I said, there's power in the name. The Bible says in Philippians second chapter that God the Father has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name which is above every name in heaven, on the earth, and watch this, under the earth, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. I want to tell you, you may not bow your knee now, but you'll bow your knee one day, but it may be too late. I'm going to preach if you let me. I command you in the name of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There are not many ways. Oprah is wrong. There are not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. Only one way. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now, see, you, I can tell some of you have never even comprehended demonic powers. She's opened herself up somewhere down the road, and a demon has occupied her. And it's the demon that's speaking through her that they call fortune-telling. And these pimps are making a bundle of money off of her. And I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her and watch this. He, do you see it? He. Anywhere in the Bible you, you see an angel referred to. They are always referred to as males. Are you with me? 
But in the world, when they paint or draw or have a carved image of, a, of an angel, they look like pansies. They're either little babies or they're with wings or they're uh, females. But in the scriptures, it's always a he. And the demons are fallen angels. I'm trying to preach to you. And they're always referred to as he. He came out of her. She set free with just the declaration in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you have never dealt with demons. I remember at the Marinetta Fellowship, a little church in St. Albans, I remember we were meeting in the old sanctuary, and I think it was four or five couples had knelt at the altar to get saved. That's a stirring thing when couples, husbands and wives come together to get saved. And during this flow of the Holy Spirit, when these couples were getting saved, over to my left, a girl jumps up and raises both hands and begins to praise the beast. Now, you may not think so, but I have a college degree. <laughs> and, and in no class did they ever tell me what to do when someone jumps up in your service and raises both hands and begins to praise the beast. And the beast is on the way, church. You can mark it down. She had, she had made a blood covenant with the devil, her and another girl, and they had drunk goat's blood, and she had Lucifer tattooed on her body. And she's over here to my left praising the beast. What did you do, Brother Roy? I said, oh, my goodness. In the name of Jesus, be quiet. Demon hushed up. Went into one of our prayer rooms. Prayer warriors gathered around her. She got delivered. The last time I heard about her, she was singing in a church choir. We prayed for a lady one night. She fell to the floor and was withering like a snake. And she was, she was just an old country, West Virginia hillbilly, and she was speaking the names of Greek gods. Prayed for her, Maud Disher and I, and David Best, we prayed for her to about 2.30 in the morning, and she got delivered. And she became a missionary to the Indians. See, we read things in the Bible, and we think, oh, that's way, that's way, way back. That Stuff like that doesn't happen to you. Yes, it does. What's, what's wrong with going on in the church? There are demons, demonic people sitting in the church pews, not getting delivered. I don't know about you, but you, you're in a world today that's messed up. Churches. There's a church, there's a church in America where the preacher dresses up like a woman and preaches in the pulpit every Sunday morning. I don't know about you folk, but if I was in that church, I'd jump to my feet, I'd shake the dust off of my feet, and I'd leave out that place, and I'd find a church that was full of the Holy Ghost, not the full of the devil. If you have children, you better be awake. If you have grandchildren, you better be awake. There was a parade 
There was a parade in New York just the other day. Gays, drag queens, homosexuals, they were in a parade in New York, and this is what they were chanting. We're coming after your children. We're coming after your children. It's time to take a stand. At Maranatha, anybody is welcome. At Grace Life, any hey, when I went to church, I was a sinner. Thank God they welcomed me. Everybody's welcome in God's house. I said everybody's welcome in God's house. But when you come, the Holy Ghost is going to speak to you and convict you and deliver you. Say amen. The pimps began to... Pro- now, I know when I use the word pimps that you holiness people don't have any idea what a pimp is. Uh, there's two or three men, I think they know, but most of you don't know what a pimp is. A pimp is the one that's made her their slave, and they're making money. They're making good profit off of her. Are you with me? She's fortune-telling, but she's not doing it for free, and they're making money off of her. The pimps began to protest because (laughs) they lost their meal ticket. This deliverance has affected their pocketbook. Hello? You know as well as I do, you'll get stirred up when it affects your pocketbook. A lot of times, me being an evangelist, when I start preaching, if I even mention money, men will grab their wallets just like that. <laughs> Scared to death, I'm going to pickpocket them. But these pimps are protesting. Verse 19, look at verse 19. So they get hold of Paul and Silas, and they drag them into the marketplace in front of the authorities. They drug them. We're not talking about with a needle. We're talking about the, the head of their hair probably dragging them all the way into the marketplace. And it's, it's amazing. Verse 20 tells us this is the accusation that these pimps made about Paul and Silas. These men, being Jews, it was not because they were Jews that they were having trouble with Paul and Silas. It was because they were saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, on their way to heaven, men of God. That's what was causing them trouble. It was not because they were Jews. They were Jews, but they were saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, outdoing the work of God. Now remember that Paul and Silas are in Philippi because Paul had a vision during the night hour to go there. Are you with me? And so now they're being drugged into the marketplace. We read, they're exceedingly troubling our city. They weren't troubling this city. These boys had lost their, their income. And they teach customs. They weren't teaching any customs. They were setting demon-possessed girl free that are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive. Do, Do you see what the devil does? He makes lies about us. He does. He makes lies about us, and, and people believe the lie. Julie's so good to see you. He, the devil's a liar. 
And, and you, you need to be careful. Now, who, whoever the man of God who's pastoring wherever you go, I know we have visitors, be careful, even at Grace Life, be careful when people come up to you and they start saying, you know, Pastor Jamie's just wonderful. Stay with me. But the only thing that butts is a goat. Sheep don't butt. Sheep go bah. On the count of three, I want to get a bah from all the sheep. One, two, three. Pitiful, 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 pitiful. Verse 22. They are, they are beaten with rods. Now, being beaten and being spanked are two different things. How many of you were spanked when you were little? Boy, I tell you, to live in this day, in this age, wow, I, I can imagine living in this day as a little boy and my dad saying, quiet time, get over in the corner. I'd be over there saying, glory to God, I like this. I just got my phone, I'm going to look at Facebook. What in the world? My dad didn't know anything about quiet time in some corner. Are you with me? He'd put me on his lap, put my head toward the north, south, toward the, my feet toward the south, and warm my equator, which was this right here. He never slugged me, he never slapped me, he spanked my bottom. Beaten with rods. Paul and Silas. They beat them with rods and they threw their battered and bloody bodies into prison. Whew. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. You're having it so rough. What? These boys are bleeding. Their bodies are battered. And they, they cast them. Not only did they put them in prison, it, it says in verse 24, they put them into the inner prison. That means they put them in maximum security. And they told the jailer, this is funny to me, they tell the jailer, you better keep them. Well, there's only two of them. They don't have a congregation of 2,000. He doesn't, they don't have a, 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 a guerrilla warfare guys. They're just those two boys. But are you, are you aware the devil's afraid yeah. of Holy Spirit-filled men and women? Yes. You know why the devil fights you? He didn't fight you over what you did in the past. He's fighting you over what you're about to do in the future. Do <laughs> you hear me? Oh, Brother Bright, I, I just can't do anything. Would you shut up? If you're still alive and still breathing, God's got you on this planet for a reason. Whew. Let's look at it. Their backs are bleeding. Their feet are shackled. And I believe their hands are cuffed. And they're in a deep, dark, dungeon 
their backs are bleeding. Their feet are shackled. And I believe their hands are cuffed. Here's Silas over on this side. Paul, you and your visions. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and your visions. He didn't show me nothing during the night hour. Are you with me? You know as well as I do, Christians today, the moment something happens and they can find somebody to blame, but they're going to blame them. It's not my fault. It's old Matt. Matt told me to do it. I said their backs are bleeding, their feet are shackled, and probably their hands are cuffed. It doesn't seem like to me they've had a good day. Verse 25, now it's midnight. I said it's midnight. Midnight's a pivotal time. One day is passing. See, a new day doesn't begin when the sun comes up. It's midnight. It's a turning point. A new day is starting. Verse 25, this is amazing. Check out these two power-packed preachers. Just check them out. Verse 25, number one, they're not whining and they're not whimpering. They're worshiping. When you came in this building today, you're a blessed person. You still live in a free country that you could come with now some armed guards trying to find where you were worshiping to put all of them under arrest. And yet some of you didn't raise your hands and give him praise during the worship. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you're breathing, you ought to praise the Lord. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubt in the sanctuary of the Lord. Look at these two. They're not pouting and they're not even protesting. They're praying and praising. <laughs> the least little thing seemingly can stop us from giving our Lord praise and glory. Well, Brother Wright, that's just not my personality. It has nothing to do with personality. I said it has nothing to do with personality. If you have breath, you ought to be praising God. Get in, the, get in the practice of doing it. Listen to some good praise and worship. Put your cell phone down and tune in to some praise and worship and begin to praise the Lord. You ought to go down the highway and just praise Him a little bit. Stop at a stoplight and raise both hands and praise Him. The car beside you will say, Ooh, they, they must go to Grace Life. Watch this. They aren't sighing and they aren't sucking their thumbs. I told you this more than once. Some of you never heard. I'm going to tell it again. I was preaching at Southwest Church of God when I was pastoring there before they threw me out. They voted me out. Isn't that a shock to you that they would vote me out? I'm mean, one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. 
There should have been an amen from someone, even from the front pew. Yeah, silence. And I got so tired of hearing their whimpering and whining. And it just, I was young. I was in my 20s. I, I got weary of it. And I went out and bought a big old pacifier. It's the truth. It was that big. And they had a wood pulpit, and so I put it underneath the wood pulpit where no one could see it. And I got to preaching, and I got carried away. Well, preachers do that. We got carried away, and all of a sudden, I pulled that pacifier out, and I said, here, you thumb suckers, here's your pacifier. It didn't go over well. <laughs> no, you didn't hear me. It did not go over well. And someone said, Brother Wright, did you do it again? Nay, 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 nay. I don't know where that pacifier went, but it was no longer in my possession. <laughs> but they were not pouting. They were not whining. They were worshiping, singing, praising God. And here's a key that really stirs me. The last part of verse 25, it says, and the other prisoners were listening. Someone's listening. Someone's listening. You may not realize it, but they're listening. Not only listening, they're watching you. There's an anointing on you. The powers of hell can see that anointing on you. They really can. You, you may not be able to see it, but there's an anointing on you, and the enemy can see it. And anywhere we go, the anointing's with us. Not just the preacher, but God's people. And, and people are listening to us at the most unusual times. It's midnight, and all the prisoners are listening to Paul and Silas saying, Pray and praising God. Whew. Verse 26 says, suddenly. Everyone shout out suddenly. suddenly. Shout out suddenly. suddenly. God moves and God moves when suddenlies appear. Yeah. On the day of Pentecost, been praying for 10 days, and all of a sudden, suddenly, the, the whole house was filled with a sound from heaven, and a flame of fire came down and set on everybody. That would scare a Presbyterian. Came down and set on everybody. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost. And it happened suddenly. Wow. At midnight, as they're singing and praising God, God shows up and rocks the house. I'm going to sing it. This was the first jailhouse rock. These young ones don't know anything about it, but old people, jailhouse rock. I like verse 26, and, and, and it says the prison was shaken. Oh, help me, somebody. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. I can, I can imagine. I can imagine these visitors leaving saying, yeah, that, he's crazy. There's something wrong with that boy. 
Ooh-wee. But it, it shook the prison to its foundation. I personally believe there was no other building in that town shaking. I believe it was just the jailhouse. And verse 26 tells me that God's power was put on display during praise and worship. This sudden shaking happened as Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises. What would happen if everybody in this house, in one accord, would begin to praise God from your heart? I believe God's power. I've been in some tremendous meetings down through my life. And and I and I've seen I've seen the the praises just flow through the house. But from the platform I would see some just standing. Just hands in their pockets. But what would happen if we all, from a thankful heart, begin to praise him? Whew. Verse 26, take one note if you would. All the doors, and I've shared with you people so many times, it's, it, I've, I've had two years of Greek, <laughs> and I know what the word all means in the Greek. It means all. That's extra. Give Teaching you Greek, my goodness. All the doors were open. And all the chains were loosed. I'm from West Virginia. I'm born in Nitro, West Virginia. I was born on 16th Street, 1628, 16th Street, Nitro, West Virginia. I'm a hillbilly from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And you don't have to tell me anything. If I'm in prison and all the doors are opened up and my chains fall off, you don't have to tell me anything. I am out of there. waiting on you either, Sean. I ain't waiting on you, Matt. Brother, when the doors open up and the chains fall off, I'm out of there. And as I leave, I'm going, glory to God. I knew he could do it. Things begin to happen when God rocks the house. Number one, people wake up. It, it, it says in verse 27, the jailer wakes up and he makes a supposition. Be careful with your suppositions because your supposition could get you in trouble. His supposition was he supposed that all the, pris- all the prisoners were gone. And he knew what the Romans were going to do to him if he lost every prisoner. In the- so he pulls, out, he pulls out a sword or a knife and prepares to kill himself. He decided to commit suicide. (laughs) Amazes me. Verse 28, old Paul, he uses his preacher's voice. You know the preacher's voice. Normally it's just, how you doing? 
Hey, glory to God. Get a little jerk on there too. He lifts up his preacher's voice. And he says something shocking and surprising. Do yourself no harm. For we're all here. I, I, I can see Paul and Silas because the Holy Spirit's leading these boys. I can see them saying that God's going to do something right now. The doors are open. The chains are falling off. I can see Paul and Silas, but Paul and Silas didn't they say we're all here. He's talking about all the other prisoners. Can you imagine that these other prisoners are so stirred about what's going on that they stay there to see what's going to happen? That's called a miracle. Verse 29, the jailer comes running into Paul and Silas's cell under conviction, trembling. Boy, do it again, Lord. And falls down on his knees. Verse 30, he asks this question. What must, mandatory, what must I do to be saved? He must have been hearing before he fell asleep he must have been hearing Paul and Silas worshiping and praising this Jesus. They weren't worshiping Zeus or Apollo. They were worshiping Jesus. And this jailer wants to know, how can I be saved? Brother, the, an the answer is simple, but we make it so complex. It's amazing in, in, in all the denominations, all the ways that churches tell people how to be saved. Some tell them you, you can work for your salvation. You do, see, when you get to the end, you, you, your good works, out, they have to outweigh your bad works, and if your good works outweigh your bad works, you get to go to heaven. Some say you have to speak in tongues to get to heaven. That's not true. I believe in speaking in tongues, but it's not speaking in tongues that gets you to heaven. Talk to me, somebody. Some say you have to be baptized a certain way. Some believe it to be baptized in their building, in their baptistry. Come on, church. I was baptized in a creek. How many of you were baptized outside of a church building? Look at you. Bunch of wild people around here. Some people believe that you're predestined. To be saved and nothing you can do about it, you're predestined. The other bunch are predestined to go to hell. That's not true. We have a free will. Some believe that if you keep the sacraments, communion, praying to Mary, going through your prayer beads, that's not going to get you to heaven. Look at the simple answer. Verse 31. Paul says, believe, trust in, rely upon. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm relying upon, trusting in Jesus Christ, his grace, his mercy through the blood that was shed on the cross. You, you know why Paul says, I glory in the cross? He says, I glory in the cross because that's where the blood was shed. And that's where Jesus says it's finished. The blood doesn't cover my sins. The blood cleanses my sins. And when the blood gets through cleansing my son's sins, the Bible says that God doesn't remember him anymore. 
lot of people say, you, you did such and such, and I forgive you, but yet they still remembered. Watch this. Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will guarantee you will be saved. Oh, would you please look at that scripture? Verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And your whole, your whole, your whole, I said your whole family. Wow. Now, isn't it amazing that we could believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved? That's a word. That's a promise from God. But yet he also gives another promise with that, that your whole family be saved. But the devil has already told some of us that some of our family members aren't going to be saved. But the devil is a liar. I said he's a liar. And what we need to do is to claim Acts 16, 31, that all of our family is coming in. Isn't it awesome that God can reach one of our family members that are a long way off right now and speak to them and convict them and draw them into the kingdom? Had a lady one night raised her hands at Maranatha and she said, I want you to pray for, I think it was her son, pray for my son. He's way out there. He's, he's, he's lost. He's way out there. So we prayed for him. We prayed. We cried out for him. And I'm telling you what, he called her. He called her and said, Mama, I'm going to tell you that I've given my heart to you. I've given my heart to Jesus. Of course, you, you know, her mother just said, well, that's nice. No. She broke into a Holy Ghost praise meeting. Claim that verse. That I will not only be saved, but my entire family. Verse 32, Paul preaches to the whole family. They take him out of prison and he preaches to the whole family. Verse 33, in closing, the jailer takes care of their wounds. He cleans up their wounds. Watch this. Then immediately, he and his family were baptized. The whole family believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are baptized. Jennifer, come and play. I'm going to share one thing. 2011, God gave me a glimpse of my heart desire for revival. We broke into revival at Maranatha. It went on for 11 weeks. Were any of you in any services at all? Wow. It was amazing. People were saved every night for 11 weeks. When no one was saved, we stopped the meeting. I, uh, I remember one night, sitting on the front, the invitation was being given. And a man passes by, going toward the altar. And he turned to me and he said these words. He said, I'm going to the altar. And my whole family is following me to get saved. And I counted thir 13 people. I'll go over here. I counted 13 people. His family, no, 
nailed at the altar. Some of you really need to check and make sure you're saved. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Oh, I, I, I know about everybody in the building that goes to church, and that's wonderful. I know that. But you need to make sure your heart is all out for Jesus because God wants to see you and your whole family brought into the kingdom. Stand to your feet. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Lift your hands and just begin to praise the Lord for a moment. Just lift your hands. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, open your mouth up and pray.